Look at me standing on my porch, sipping my coffee like a boss. That's what Donald used to tell me. Mike, he'd say, we made it. We survived all the scandals and inciting insurrections. And look at us now, soon to return. Champions to the people who wear red hats. China! And it suddenly struck me. These video shorts that I mindlessly scroll through for hours in bed at night, who's really behind the screen? That university across the way? Word is, it's been infiltrated. Wait a minute. Those new neighbours of mine, they don't appear American. I look up and suddenly I see it. A balloon. A spy in the sky. Freedom and opportunity for the Chinese people. Yeah, Mike. Keep selling people the same old lie. I'm working up a sweat. Maybe they put something in my beans. My knees give way and I scream. Shoot it down! Shoot it down! Hello and welcome to the China Podcast. That was a poem submitted to us by Mike Pompeo, former United States Secretary of State and foul mouth of all things China. Should you fancy any normal conversation ending with a negative spin on China, Mike Pompeo, he's your man. It was considerate of him to send it in all the same. Um, But public service announcement, all comments made by Mr. Pompeo, past, present and future, are not endorsed by the China podcast in any way. Although I hope he listens to us from time to time because, you know, he might just learn something. I'm not so sure. Uh, Maybe he'll think we're part of the problem, part of the so-called threat from the East. So, how have you all been? What's new? Plenty, plenty is new. And yeah, China has has resumed issuing all categories of visas to foreign nationals. Uh, If you want to see a PCR testing booth up close, get your tourist visa. They're still standing. Yeah, to remind us of when times were tough and life was a game of QR codes. And face masks. Yeah, I haven't had to wear one in ages. Yeah, there was some confusion a month or more ago at subway stations here in Chongqing. Now, I don't know what the protocol is in other cities, but it seems that masks aren't mandatory on trains anymore. Uh, But nobody knows for certain. Yeah, there was no official announcement anywhere, or at least that I was aware of. It just kind of happened spontaneously overnight that the mask up on board the train signage, it was removed from the security area of each and every subway station across Chongqing. In in the beginning, some naughty individuals, they chanced their arm and walked through security without wearing their mask and mostly got away with it especially at the more central and busier stations. And then gradually that number has increased. Yeah, in the space of maybe a fortnight, that number went from the odd one or two chancers per train to like three or four. And now you might be looking at some like 30% of passengers not wearing masks on board trains. Uh, Admittedly, myself included most of the time. Um, And yeah, you and I, we use the train here every day to get to work. So Mm -hmm. we've seen that evolution take place before us. My prediction is that come the back end of spring or definitely by early summer, you you might be looking at a maskless majority of passengers using the CRT. Yeah, the CRT, Chongqing Rapid Transit, brought to you by Kellogg's Cornflakes. 
Um, but seriously, do you want to bet on it? I'm not a gambling man. And neither am I, even though all of my Premier League predictions from the start of the season have come true. Mainly Arsenal and Antonio Conte. You're something of a mystic Meg, aren't you? Yeah, I'll have to come up with a name for myself like that. The, you know the octopus that, pre, that predicted the World Cup winners in 2010? What's his name? I can't remember what his name was. Jo- Johnny or something, wasn't it? Johnny the Octopus. Own the onion. Yeah, imagine that. Consulting an onion for a bit. Um, I guarantee you there are some people who talk the vegetables. What do you reckon? Well... I saw a woman outside the aging mall one night talking to her reflection in the window when I was running past. Uh, a bit like that viral video of that drunk guy at the party arguing with himself in the mirror. Yeah. Or, do you, or what about uh, the Prime Minister of England? The cabbage, which one will last longer? Oh, yeah. Liz yeah. Truss or the cabbage? Liz Truss or the cabbage? The cabbage wins. Yeah. I love those kind of videos. Hooray for the vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you mentioned uh, you mentioned running. Um, you're back training for the half marathon, the long-awaited half marathon. Uh, it's the same weekend as a, a music festival I'm going to in Chengdu, so I won't be there to drag you across the finish line. Sorry to say that. Right, that's if I make it that far. That's the thing. But yeah, this is like the fourth time of asking. Um, I registered for this marathon every time it was announced over the last two years, and every time, cancelled. Mm. Goddamn pandemic poopers pooping on everyone's fun. So yeah, I've I've no excuses really not to give give a good performance. Um, we'll have most of the members of the Jaling Running Club competing with us, including Gab's dad, who's coming from France next month. Yeah, classic. And who's going to run? So yeah, massive shout out to him and enormous respect yeah. for that too. Um, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I think it's really going to banish any lingering memories of the dreaded big C. Uh, and we've waited so long for this. Everyone has. The main Chongqing Marathon was held the other weekend, I think two weekends ago maybe, and there are probably more half marathons and other runs taking place over the, the coming months. Um, so you really get a sense that the, the feel-good factor has returned to China. Yeah, too right you do. So that's the Changjiahui Half Marathon, 16th of April on Nanbin Lu. Yeah, down on Nanbin Lu, Riverside, directly opposite the Jaifeng Bay skyline. So fantastic setting, absolutely gorgeous, uh, right in the heart of the city. But is Jaifeng Bay the city centre? That is, that's the question, and that's what we want to talk about today. Now, listen to this. There's a chap on Twitter... He's a political writer with near enough half a million followers. His name is James Melville. Uh, he put out the following tweet alongside some video footage about six weeks ago. Um, China, he says, 15-minute cities, urban incarceration. Each neighborhood zone is separated by a barbed wire fence. Anyone who wants to leave their zone requires a QR code slash COVID passport and a face recognition scan. A dystopian hell on earth. Oh, do you feel incarcerated? Apart from not being able to leave my community for a while at the end of last year uh, due to the local pandemic policy, no, um, I don't. Uh, not even close. Now, that's just my experience, of course. There are, there are many in Shanghai who might have stronger feelings about that, especially around now as it's been 
a year since the whole uh, citywide lockdown debacle in, in Shanghai. Yeah. Um, yeah, for some people, those <coughs> memories will linger more than others. And that's fair. Because you have to understand that there was a sense of entrapment for many. Um, but all that is besides the point of that tweet and what we want to discuss today. 15-minute cities. Um, are they some dystopian hell on earth to control and restrict movement? The simple answer is no, they're not. That tweet, that right there is disinformation. And we're going to tell you why. We look at the whole idea of a 15-minute city or their equivalent, the reasons for wanting to reshape the urban layout. We look at some examples and have a look at the big conspiracy uh, theory surrounding them. Okay, so the 15-minute city, what is it? Uh, It's an urban planning concept in which the bulk of daily necessities and services, everything from shops and schools, parks, healthcare, they're all reachable within a 15-minute radius by foot or by bike. It's, it's an approach aimed at reducing the dependency on cars and leaving more space for pedestrians and cyclists to safely navigate the, the city streets and which in turn promotes healthy and sustainable living while improving the overall quality of life for city residents. Until now, cities have been mostly car-centric to the detriment of those who opt to walk and cycle. So the 15-minute city is presented as one possible remedy. Benjamin Butner is a mobility expert at the Technical University of Munich, and he argues that to create sustainable cities, amenities such as shopping and recreation need to be moved to where people live and not vice versa. This doesn't mean that whole areas need to be demolished and rebuilt, but that the existing land needs to be repurposed. The idea of the 15-minute city can trace its roots back to pre-modern traditions of urban planning where walkability and general well-being were the staples of a vibrant community. This was long before the advent of street networks and automobiles, and the concept gained greater traction in recent years after Paris Mayor Anne Hidalgo proposed its implication in the city during her 2020 re-election campaign. Since then, several cities worldwide have followed suit. Professor Carlos Marino, an urbanist who was advisor to Anne Hidalgo, first coined the 15-minute city idea in 2060. Marino takes inspiration from a book called The Death and Life of American Cities, written by Jane Jacobs, which is essentially a critique of US urban planning policy in the 1950s and describes itself bluntly as an attack on city planning and rebuilding. More on the American urban model later. But back to Marino. Um, For him, there are six essential functions to a 15-minute city. They are living, working, commerce, healthcare, education, and entertainment. These all exist within a framework of four components. Density, proximity, diversity, and digitalization. An optimal density would encourage local solutions to local problems. Proximity would reduce the space and the time needed for activities. Diversity, referring to mixed-use development and multicultural neighbourhoods, 
would improve the urban experience and boost community involvement. Digitalization, derived from smart cities, reduces the need for commuting because of easier access to technologies such as virtual communication and online shopping. When combined and implemented at scale, these four components would significantly improve the quality of life of the proposed model. There, there are a number of other theorists knocking about with ideas on the 15-minute city and their variations. From Kent Larson's Compact Urban Cells, which is a bit of a dystopian sci-fi term, to Daachi's T-minute cities, T representing the time it takes to reach most essential amenities on foot, and more besides. Designing a city of this nature will be heavily influenced by the impact of climate change and disease control. A manifesto published in Barcelona in April 2020 proposed radical new thinking into the organisation of cities in the wake of that pandemic that everyone was talking about. The manifesto was signed by 160 academics and 300 architects and called for the reorganisation of mobility, naturalisation of the city, the decommodification of housing and degrowth. And similar plans have been laid out in the likes of Milan, Madrid, Edinburgh and Seattle, all approved by the C40 Cities Climate Leadership Group and all inclusive of the 15-minute city model with disease prevention and control in mind. Yes, strong emphasis is also being placed on the accessibility to green spaces, which it's hoped will promote positive environmental impacts such as increasing urban biodiversity and helping to protect the city from invasive species. Yeah, in some cities, stormwater ponds or little pockets of wetland have been constructed like on the side of roads where you would normally have runoff drains, um, which is really cool and aesthetically more appealing. And it promotes biodiversity. It's a win-win. Yeah, exactly. And such a green environment can also have positive impact on people's mental and physical health i can't help but think about it every time i walk outside the front door there are green spaces everywhere here um there's a little family of turtles that live in the pond across the road wonderful wonderful. yeah um the, the local planning authorities make sure that some kind of park of sorts is accessible within a short walk and if it's not it means they probably haven't got around to building it yet um and as well as promoting exercise, green spaces can be a, a stress reducer and a happiness enhancer. They're good for sleep and they're good for social connections too. What's not to love? One of the first cities to implement the 15-minute city concept during the pandemic was Paris under the guidance of Anne Hidalgo, the city mayor. The slogan for the new measure, Cities of Proximity. In Paris, schools are seen as capitals, the centre of every neighbourhood. Cars have been banned from parts of the River Seine or from along the River Seine. Uh, schoolyards are being refurbished into parks to make them accessible for other activities after school and at the weekend. Paris also wants to repurpose 140,000 car park spaces and turn them into green spaces. Playgrounds, community hangouts, anything but a place occupied by a car. Streets across Paris are expected to be totally bike friendly come 2026. In fact, hundreds of miles of cycling routes have been added, which is massively impressive. Um, They really took advantage of the public idleness during the early days of the pandemic 
And you might remember people buzzing around on bikes right across the city during that yeah. time. Like for me, that was one of the, the more positive standout images during the pandemic. Yeah. One of the very few. Um, like that sense of people reclaiming the streets. Yeah. Well, like the best thing was, the best thing I did about the whole pandemic was the day before we got locked down was just myself and Han, we just got on a bike and just straight through the city. We were going on these six lane highways and just no cars. It was fantastic. Yeah. Like it's like a zombie movie. Like a zombie movie. That's exactly because you, what it you'll was, never yeah. get that chance again. Yeah, and I, and I suppose that's what Paris kind of took advantage of, you know. Definitely. Yeah. Um. Although they've taken to the streets in a more violent way of of recent times, but anyway, um, let's move to Barcelona, where the city has been experiment with superias or super districts. Um, this is when housing blocks are combined to make one super block. Um, only residents and delivery drivers have access with cars and the maximum speed limit is 10 kilometers an hour. Um, you may as well walk or cycle uh, and maybe that's the hope. Many streets are blocked for cars and instead pedestrianized or used in different ways. Former car parks or parking lots to the American ear They've been handed over to nature and are now places where children can play and people can chill and watch the world go by at their leisure. And that's comparable to China in a way where you have gated communities, uh, like vehicles they can't enter without a permit or at least without good reason to. Um, Yeah, and it's as it should be, you know, because it makes for a peaceful living environment. Exactly. And, And Benjamin Butner, he labels this approach tactical urbanism it's only on a trial run at the minute to see if it works basically but it's hoped that the idea can reduce traffic problems in the city which amounts to 60 percent usage in public spaces and 85 percent of streets and that's a lot um meaning like more than half the city's residents are at risk due to noise and air pollution a figure much higher than world health organization limits and if successful, the new districts should reduce motorized traffic by as much as 21%. Yeah. Now, let's turn to China because that's what we're about. Um, you mentioned before about running in the heart of Chongqing City in the next few weeks in Jiefeng Bay. Um, that would be the most visited area of Chongqing by tourists. Yeah, the busiest area by far for tourists. Um but you could be forgiven for thinking that lots of other parts of Chongqing were actually the city centre. If you take Guangzhou, for example, there are big plazas, there are multiple shopping malls, there are neon lights, there are bustling with life, a subway line that runs directly underneath. Um, in most cities, that's the centre. Um, let's say somebody teleported right into Guangzhou tomorrow, they would think the same yeah and you could say the same about about the central park area in yubei yeah or is it liangjiang i I don't know it's confusing they kind of overlap a little bit liangjiang's a new area um but central park here is is brand new okay Mm. and like walking through that park is like walking through new york central park because of the towering skyscrapers all around i've done both and it was like a mirror image uh, and uh, Central Park right now is is a quieter area, but 
Give it a few years and it too will be full of all the attractions and all the amenities that you would expect to find in a city centre. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and there are many more areas besides Chinese cities. They've always been quite zonal, much like an American city, but far more modern. A lot, a lot of the time they're centred around districts which are often divided by motorways which run this way and that. But everything in between can feel like its own thing, like a city within a city, uh, mainly due to the fact that everything you need is right there. And it's not a car journey away. Everything and everywhere it, that you need is walkable. Um, you can hop on a, a, a shared bike and zip around the whole area in relative comfort. Yeah. If we think about the American city model for a second, like, They've been built with the car in mind. Because <coughs> yeah. for Americans, the car is the ultimate symbol of freedom. And that's one of the reasons why public transport lags so far behind. If you want to go to the supermarket in America, you need a car. I mean, I think about Breaking Bad, the, the mm. TV show, the hit TV show uh, on Netflix. Um, if you remember, like, Walter White, he's the main character. Where did he purchase all his meth cooking equipment? In a hardware store outside the city. Where is the Los Poyos Hermanos restaurant? It's outside the city. It's got a big parking lot. Where does Saul Goodman live? And where does he go for his pedicure? On the edge of town. He needs a car. And this is the typical American city that is presented to the viewer. An American city that is primarily suburbs and roads. If you're interested, I recommend checking out a YouTube channel called Not Just Bikes. And the guy who makes these videos, like he looks at cities in Europe and he compares them, particularly Amsterdam and Dutch cities, mm. uh, to those back in the US where, where he's from. And, and he gives his reasons for like not wanting to live in a US city. And you can see why. Oh, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad that China didn't copy the American city model. They instead went for the 15 minute city concept and they did it much sooner, um, as early as 2016. In fact, when Shanghai announced plans to introduce what are called the 15 minute community life circles. Um, that was the name of the plan and the plan that would, it would ensure all day to day activities are reachable within a 15 minute walk. 50 additional Chinese cities are looking to implement a similar approach. And so far, community-like circles have been implemented in the likes of Baoding and Guangzhou. One of these cities that we'll have a closer look at now is Chengdu. Chengdu and Sichuan, famous for the pandas. Oh, lovely. Uh, very flat city, yeah. which you don't like, Owen. It's just just flat. Yeah. Just like there's no life to it. There's... Mm. Well, there's life. Well, there's life to it. There's life. It's, 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 got, it's got culture. But it's got culture, but it doesn't have topography. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't have the topography. Um, so, yeah, Chengdu, in, in order to combat urban sprawl, commissioned the Great City Plan, where development on the edges of the city would be dense enough to accommodate all necessary services within a 15-minute walk. Multiple neighborhoods have managed to design or to repurpose space where... Kindergartens and other schools are a short walk away from houses. Parks are located nearby restaurants for anyone that fancies a stroll after a bit of grub and where cultural exhibitions are held in almost every block. And this has all been achieved in a relatively short period of time. 
And it's all part of what has been called the Great City Plan. Yeah. In October of 2021, China's Ministry for Commerce announced the first batch of 30 cities where 15-minute community life circles, uh, where they would be piloted. And Chengdu was one of them. It made the cut. Uh, the pilot project has brought enormous convenience to the people in Chengdu. And to put it simply, it made their life better. Um, if we take the uh, Xi Shulu community as an example, it's one of the 12 communities in Chengdu to trial the new initiative. Uh, residents living there point to the everyday amenities such as parks and wet markets and bus stations, a wet market being the thing that... that, that Started the pandemic in in Wuhan. <laughs> Let's <laughs> not go back Let's there. Let's not go back there. <laughs> but yeah, they, they they exist in 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 normal day to day life. You know, it's 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 fresh meat. Um, local community and government administration services. They're a, a short walk away, and people can take evening classes in this and that. And it's particularly convenient for the retired. Uh, it gives them something to do. Or something more to do, because let's be honest, they're already a, a very active bunch. Uh, in the Shindu district, a mini program has been developed that combines online and offline services for people. Uh, citizens can attend classes or watch performances and listen to lectures online. Chengdu has established some 227 primary level cultural facilities to realize their 15 minute dream. Culture seeps from the very fabric of Chengdu. And now, as if they weren't already satisfied enough, 46 primary level demonstration cultural centers have been built alongside beautification programs for 91 communities. Uh, and over 100 bookstores are also in place. It's culture on your doorstep. The transport aspect of this grand plan has not been ignored either. As far back as 2013, which to me seems like the other day, but it's still 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, in 2013, then Chengdu launched a community bus service which enables citizens holding a transit card to take the bus for free. This is different from that of regular bus routes because the average distance between two stations at the community bus service is just around 200 meters. Mm. And the stations are closely located to the gates of community complexes as well as uh, and other populous places too. Mm -hmm. At present, 519 buses are running along these routes with a daily average of almost 140,000 passengers, most of whom are seniors. In addition, Chengdu has built multiple greenways across the city, which makes cycling a new trend. Yeah. Um, Baoding is a city which has had a it's had a bad rap over the past decade or so for what according to many outlets it's it, it being the most polluted city in the world now putting that aside they've latched onto the 15 minute city idea and they're using an algorithm to help them in their quest so they analyzed the spatial usage of a thousand communities across the city to determine the the quality in public service facilities across each district and they found that the allocation of medical and and commercial facilities in each community life cycle it meets expectations but that the allocation of public cultural facilities and pension facilities um, falls well below the standard so 
this is a city with a hell of a lot of work to do. Yeah, and it's got a, it's got a lot of catching up. Yeah, which can often be the case for what is a lower tiered city, and of course yeah. there are hundreds of cities in hundreds in China, so it it's going to take a bit of time. Um, but here in China, it is worth remembering that city planners they often go at least one step further by building the transport infrastructure years before the main urban development. An example of this can be seen on YouTube where there's a couple of videos of a what's called the, the world's loneliest metro station. And it's actually in Chongqing. Well, well it was in Chongqing. Um, it's the, the Wan station and it's on line six. Um, about six stations from the end of that line. And... Yeah, seven, eight years ago, this station stood in the middle of a deserted area with, yeah. with grass growing up around it. Yeah. An underground station. So it was just doorways to the underground, you know? Yeah, yeah. And there, there's nothing there but just farmland, basically. Yeah. There's a station and there's there's no roads. There, there's not, there was nothing. Um, so it went viral. And there's, there's videos on YouTube. And now that area is completely built up. Yeah. That's and it's it's still growing, and that's what we mean in China that that, that the people, the the, the gov- local governments will they will invest in the the transport infrastructure first. They put it in even before there's a even before there's a road, they'll have a subway station, and before there's a a house, there'll be a road. And exactly, and what what might make no sense to someone if they they go there and they, they see it first yeah. is actually is it's really clever. It makes no sense this year, but it'll make sense in five years. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's pre-planned, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. And like China's early experiments, right, into creating 15-minute cities, it, it has shown that the concept has made movement easier, um, but control harder. China's major cities can be so vast in scale, our very own Chongqing being a prime example, that commuting to and fro is often a major headache. Mm. The hours spent in the car or on the subway or buses, obviously they're going to use up a significant portion of someone's day. I personally spend two hours a day commuting, which isn't so bad in comparison to many others. Yeah, and you read a lot on your commute? I do. Actually, it's where I do most of my reading. Um, as long as, of course, nobody around me is blaring out videos on their phone for the whole carriage to hear. Yeah. Some people have yet to come around to the idea of wearing earphones. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, commuting complaints are common on Chinese social media. My view is that people shouldn't have to wake up before sunrise just to get to their job in time. Yeah. We start work too early and the hours spent at the workplace are too long anyway, but that's a matter for another day. Yeah. Um, in 2021, the China Academy of Urban Planning and Design, they identified more than 14 million people across 44 major cities who commuted for an hour or more each way. In Beijing, that figure represented 30% of people. And the official term given to such long journeys to and from work is extreme commuting. What's interesting is that even though extreme commuting can be easily blamed on urban sprawl, the two aren't necessarily related. The important factors are, however, the concentration or the decentralization of urban functions. This goes back to when China had a planned economy. People would rarely venture very far, 
even in the large cities. And why? Well, because large state-run employers often provided everything that a worker needed, from housing and dining to education, healthcare, and other welfare services. Uh, these units were often self-sufficient, they were nationwide, and they accommodated thousands of workers and their families. All anyone really needed to meet their basic needs was the humble bicycle. But when China shifted to a market economy, state-run employers cut funding to the services they provided. This was a time that coincided with the rural migration of millions to cities, which then, it, it of course, it raised the demand for housing. And what happens? Well, the private housing market, that's what. Uh, local governments, which owned and controlled the land they saw started uh, selling vast tracts of land to single developers as an easier and more effective way to raise money than that of smaller scale enterprise and china's cities were soon blanketed by huge residential housing projects um, many of which lay on the the very outskirts of cities and we're not even talking the suburbs here. We're talking far and beyond the suburbs in a lot of cases. Yeah, some might say out in the sticks. Where civilization ends. So a side effect of the market economy then occurs, that being the separation of jobs and housing, with large numbers of people moving between two points, their place of residence and their place of work. But... This segregation of urban functions, it wasn't only limited to residential development. Cities built single-use technology parks, industrial parks, and commercial streets, um, while clothing stores and restaurants and barbershops, they were once scattered. They were all moved into shared commercial complexes like shopping malls and 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 the flaws of such a move are becoming more apparent as cities try to develop their services sector. Commercial malls and streets are often located far from the residential areas um, and they require people to spend more time on the road in order to work and to consume and to play. And this is why cities in China with a high proportion of service industries have begun floating goals like building 15-minute community life circles. As we have implied, there are so many benefits to a 15-minute city, mainly the reduction in commuting, increasing productivity and enabling people more time to spend with their friends and their families and just simply enjoying life. Yeah. Shorter commutes, they also have environmental benefits. And cities like Barcelona have included similar schemes in their, their climate change initiatives. Travel is surely more appealing when there is a faster turnaround on the train, for example. It's always more comfortable, of course, when there's less people rather than when everyone is packed on board like a can of sardines. Mm -hmm. Amongst the challenges that many cities will face when implementing their plans will be the struggle to overcome decades of car-centric design, deci design decisions. Um, China's mega complexes, they normally offer all the basic amenities, but their, their sheer size pose a bottleneck for public transportation the fragmented nature of cities is down to the occupation by mega complexes of vast tracts of land combined with the fact that many are gated 
Um, in the 2010s, the Chinese government, they tried to open up these communities to make something like a 15-minute city more likely. Um, but it, it faced significant popular resistance before just being brushed aside during the pandemic, in part because cities needed to track residents' movements. Such knee-jerk opposition comes partly from compromised interests such as the auto industry and, of course, a lack of hunger and imagination as well. Um, Some will even say that, but less traffic will be bad for business. Now, studies show that more bike and pedestrian traffic in cities saves money as less is spent in the road maintenance and the health sectors. So I think it's a good thing. It is a good thing, I think. Um, In the EU, uh, mobilised traffic causes more than... 800 billion euros. Now, think about that. That's a huge number. 800 billion euros in health, environmental and infrastructure costs every year. Like Many shop owners are concerned that the 15-minute city idea will cause a collapse in sales since customers can no longer reach them by car. But in the western city, western U.S. city of Portland, the 20% drop in car traffic following the introduction of a 20-minute city concept also led to an additional $1.2 billion staying in the local community. So at last, some US cities are seeing a bit of sense. Absolutely. Well, Portland is, is a liberal city over there in, a, in, liberal, uh, in the liberal West Coast. Oregon, isn't it? Yeah, Portland, Oregon. So, yeah, reducing car dependence and promoting walkability also has its limitations. Uh, One such limitation is the difficulty or impracticality of implementing the 15-minute city approach in established urban areas where land use patterns and infrastructures are already in place. Additionally, the concept may not be feasible in areas with low population density or in low-income communities lacking Mm. in public transportation infrastructure and options. Yeah. Um, Two of the principal problems of urban planning in the past have been imbalance and gentrification. Ensuring as many people as possible benefit from the changing cityscape, that remains a challenge. Local authorities, they need to come at this with, with a fresh set of eyes, a total rethink in regulations and traditional planning, which it's for too long it's led to inequality and exclusion in cities all over the world. And according to theorist Butner, politicians will have to abandon their cushiness in going along with the norm and actually consult with people to identify what is best for the greater community. Because at the end of the day, there is no one set blueprint for all cities. Every city will have to adapt to meet the needs of that place and context is important. But there are other challenges as well, of course. And, you know, when we think of European cities, we think of places that are physically, culturally and historically established uh, cities that are many of them centuries old, many of them medieval in their layout with narrow streets and lanes with thoroughfares that, that seem out of place because they came after. Yeah. They had they had to adapt. Um, and of course, some people find the very notion of 15-minute cities dystopian. Uh, the people will be fined for leaving their community, that they are, in effect, incarcerated. All of which is absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, rather than subscribing to the essence of the theories being put forward and their current implementation... Uh, 
that of coexisting in a more livable and more connected space and one that's cleaner and it's greener um there there are those who have jumped onto the conspiracy bandwagon which is a lot bigger than you might think it's a conspiracy theory that is fast gaining traction right around the world one that claims that reducing traffic congestion while increasing walking and cycling is a form of climate lockdown. And not only has this led to abuse online, but also death threats. Take the case of Duncan Enright, a local politician in the UK. He had a proposal, and his proposal was to filter traffic in the city of Oxford. Sounds simple enough. The plan was to reduce the number of roads being used during peak traffic hours. Drivers would require permits to travel through the filters, which would be enforced by surveillance cameras and fines. So in comes the onslaught of abuse and the death threats, um, not just from the people in Oxford or even just from the people around the UK, but also beyond. He, along with other councillors in the city, they were accused of being part of a malign international plot to control people's movement in the name of climate action. A protest which attracted thousands of people in Oxford featured a speech given by a 12-year-old girl who warned against the perceived dangers of the plan. And this is what she said. There are soon to become digital ID facial recognition zones. How dare you steal my childhood and my future and the future of our children by enslaving us in your crazy digital surveillance prison. Yeah, she's a bit of a drama queen, isn't she? Absolutely, man. Um, and similar protests, they sprang up in Edmonton in Canada, where city authorities hope to devise their own version of the 15-minute city, heralding the move as moving people closer to their vision for a more connected, prosperous, healthy and climate-resilient city. Oh, lovely. Oh, sounds all very innocent. Doesn't it? Yeah. But... The backlash it included inaccurate claims of how citizens would spend 90% of their life confined to a 15-minute radius because of your carbon footprint um, and being monitored. Now, you wouldn't think that such a mundane thing as urban redevelopment would become so toxic. So where does this conspiracy theory have its origins? Many fingers can be pointed towards the fossil fuel industry. Which will come as no surprise to many of you, I'm sure. Certain individuals within have already rebranded climate action as climate tyranny. Pre-2020, this brand of disinformation and extremism, it struggled to gain much attention. But that that's changed with the pandemic. The post-pandemic world that called for a societal rebuild was ambushed by a narrative that claimed governments wanted to limit freedoms in the name of climate action. The term climate lockdown was first being pushed by right-wing think tanks and climate change deniers on social media. But this then filtered down to the more extreme conspiracy communities such as QAnon-affiliated circles and anti-vaccine groups. Fox News even took it up. Enough said. Coupling the 15-minute city idea alongside the whole climate lockdown conspiracy theory is an easy spin. People have the freedom to live locally, but they're not going to be forced into doing so. Remember that. Instead of a little common sense, we've had the likes of Jordan Peterson publicly attacking proposals to curb traffic routes and UK politician Nick Fletcher addressed the Parliament in London by calling the 15-minute city as an international socialist concept 
And because of these conspiracy spins, um, local and national governments, they're going to have a battle on their hands in implementing policy. So much of the pushback against wanting to transform our cities for the better is rooted in fiction rather than fact. I personally like the fact that if I'm sick, I walk around the corner and the hospital is there or across the road and the park is there. Um, the optician is on the corner. There's everything, everything that I need is here. And uh, our friend, uh, Harry, he um, he has a, a, a YouTube channel. Um, he has been in China for five years. And when he first came to this little section of of um, Chongqing, which is very much a, a, a closed community, everything that you need is within 15 minutes here. Um, he said that it was like he was in a new city. That's yeah, it. yeah. And that will will show you how Chongqing in a very short space of time has, has transformed. Yeah. Um, and Yubei District, uh, which is in the north, north of, of Jiefengbei, um, the city centre, let's let's call it, uh, just just so people are aware, aware so they can get a yeah. sense of, of the... The geography of the city. Um, it's it's now a very popular place to be, whereas before it wasn't. Yeah, it's, it's growing. It's becoming trendy. Um, but there's also there's similarly popular places to be within Chongqing. You know, Shopping Ba is, is is yeah, like it's not just restricted to one place, one district. Yeah, there there these Chongqing nowadays is is. 20 different city centers yeah indeed um and they all you know, have their merits and you you don't have to walk very far to get your coffee in starbucks or get a burger in mcdonald's or yeah. burger king or kfc they're all there there's there's thousands of them mm-hmm. across the place and there you have it 15 minute cities 15 minute cities and yeah the bikes are all through it i'm kind of hungry shall we go I think we'll leave it there. We've we've talked enough. Um, yeah, we've enjoyed. I enjoyed talking about the fifteen minute cities. A lot of, a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah, that we found in our research. Yeah, and it and it really is the future of of city life. Um, yeah, I think it's it's the way to go. Yeah. Something has to change. Yeah, definitely has for the better for the for for people for their their mental health and just general well being and, and as well as that the. For the climate. Yeah. Definitely going to be better for the climate. Definitely going to be better. So, yeah, we'll we'll wrap it up there, I think. Um, thank you, as ever, for listening. Um, thank you to all our new followers. Uh, we're getting new followers all the time. Yeah. And it's fantastic to see. All right. Toodles. <笑>其实这样我好多有时候我不想啊比比我有时候一天都不睡着我不说话就是蛮狠的我不说话就是没打我晓得的我不说话就是没打我晓得的所以说社会上的人走了我的路不可怜我的意思你不晓得别人是么